The Law School Show. Helping you navigate the law school experience with resources and opportunities curated for your success. Catch it all here, right now, on the Student Life Series. This series is sponsored by LexisNexis Canada and the Star Rewards Program. This month, win a pair of LexisNexis wireless headphones. All you need to do is enter the secret code HEADPHONES from March 11th to March 31st to be entered to win. Earn while you learn with LexisNexis Star Rewards. Welcome to the Race, Diversity, and Recruitment episode of The Law School Show. It's no secret that the legal profession is one of the least diverse professions out there. In Canada, the racial composition of the legal profession is predominantly white. The appointment of Justice Jamal to the Supreme Court of Canada was a historic first of a person of color to sit on the SEC. Recently, there seems to be more emphasis on diversity and inclusion. Law schools and law firms tend to recognize that diversity is valuable, and there seems to be a lot of committees and initiatives dedicated to making the legal field more accessible to everyone. But where are we really at in terms of diversity and inclusion, and what does this mean for law students looking for jobs today? In this episode, we sat down with five racialized law students and practitioners who recently went through the recruitment process, formal and informal. Tune in to hear about what they thought of the recruit, how they approached difficult topics, and what went well for them. How would you describe your recruitment experience? Was it different or similar to your expectations going into the process? My name is Jessica Gill. I participated in the 2L Vancouver Recruit. The experience that I had was overall pretty good. I would say going into things, I had expectations about how hard it would be for me as a woman of color. I think um, I heard a lot of stories, like horror stories of people having really bad experiences and not just in Vancouver, but like mostly in Alberta. So I didn't really know what to expect in Vancouver because I know it's, it's very different there. It's more liberal. There is a lot more diversity in Vancouver compared to um, Edmonton and Calgary. So I was pretty scared going into things, you know, before OCI started, I kind of went through what to say if, you know, things made me feel uncomfortable or or if things went sideways and I wasn't comfortable answering those types of questions. So I kind of like had those talks with uh, some of my friends, with my parents to kind of just like prepare myself for that. But, um, I think the recruit overall went pretty good. I didn't really have any negative experiences, race-based or anything like that. So I'm Timothy Chan. I'm a lawyer at Dene McCain Harms. It's a family firm in Calgary. Uh, I went through all the recruitment processes at the U of C. That's where I went to law school. Uh, so I did the 1L recruit, the 2L recruit, and the articling recruits. For the most part, uh, I went through the recruits uh, and I was not successful in any of them and I actually found my article job outside of that recruit. So I was able to get into the firm that I'm working at now through a connection that I made outside of the formal recruit process. My expectations going into the recruits uh, were that the recruits would be more focused upon hard skills, on grades, and on aptitude, but I, I found that it was actually quite interesting. Uh, the career office and everything that all the advice people told us did a good job of priming us towards uh, realigning those ex- expectations. They're really a lot more about personality and fit and culture, uh, which is something that I did find was a little difficult uh, as a Chinese Canadian candidate. 
an Indigenous law student. I'm the mother of three children. Um, I was originally a law student back in 2016, and I left because I suffered a spinal cord injury very quickly on in my uh, law school education. I came back last year, and uh, it was my first time participating in the recruits, and despite some really difficult backstory, I still managed to get a job. Um, everyone when I interviewed with the Crown, I mean, they were my only interview, right? That was the only job I applied for. Everyone was really accommodating and kind, and they, they, they gave me a general air that they really wanted to talk to me and that I was someone who they really wanted to meet with and were strongly considering. Honestly, it was, uh, especially given my background, that my experience was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be because, you know, I have, you know, those withdrawals on my transcript. I had a big gap in my education. Um, being a, an ex-sex worker and a mother of three and a crippled person, um, I threw all of that on my, on my cover letter and I got the interview and I got the job on my first try. I think that the biggest thing that helped me was I was just very authentic and genuine with maybe some of the bad things that had happened in my past. I didn't come to them saying I've crawled through a bunch of horrible life experiences. I came to them saying, this is what I've overcome and this is what I'm going to bring to your workplace. I guess what I always think about is I don't want anything from my past to be thrown in my face in the future, so I'm just upfront about it, always. And it seemed to be really well received. What skills or hobbies did you emphasize in your stories? Was there anything in your resume or set of experiences that you chose to highlight or downplay? And how did you make those decisions? So uh, my name is Jose Caravaggio Marrero. And so I'm a 2L student at the U of A, University of Alberta. And I participated in the first year recruit. And I also participated in the 2L recruit. Some of the skills that I really highlighted as an immigrant, so I'm originally from Venezuela, I should say. Uh, some of the skills that I really try to highlight is uh, resilience, right? So, and I feel that's something that a lot of immigrants can highlight on their, on their applications because, you know, as immigrants, we go through a lot and try our best to integrate into a whole new country, maybe a whole new language, whole new culture. And so that, that takes a lot of uh, work and effort. Uh, that's something that I try to uh, make really stand out in every of my applications. Um, and I feel that's something that really helped me and something that the firms really um, saw as valuable. Something I would say that maybe I would um, not try to show as much uh, to downplay, um, so, you know, I think this happens to many immigrants and it's the, the language, right? So English is not my first language. Um, so as many immigrants, we sometimes, you know, you're competing with the best of the best here at law school. People who speak extremely well, obviously can speak, uh, public speak, their public speaking is amazing. They write really well, they master English, obviously. So you always feel a little bit, you know, um, not as confident when it comes to that. I mean, be honest about it if that, if that comes up uh, eventually, but you, you got here for a reason is what I would always tell myself. And, uh, you know, that there's a reason why you're in law school and why you're doing so well right now. So try to always remember that and try to put the imposter syndrome, you know, a little bit on the side. Yeah, so um, initially my experience was, um, you know, I, I trained a lot for the question to tell us about yourself. 
because I didn't really know what to say. And so initially I kind of left out the fact that, you know, I had immigrant parents who came from India and, you know, what our experience was like living in like a small rural community in Northern Alberta. Um, and I think that's like a huge part of who I am as a person, you know, growing up in predominantly white areas, being the only person of color wherever I was, like on, in sports, in school, um, at home. So that really defined me as a person. But um, going into the recruit, I didn't think that I wanted to share that part just because I felt like some people would feel bad for me or, or stuff like that. And I didn't want to come across that way as like seeking sympathy. So I, I really downplayed that part of who I was, despite the fact that it was such a big part of you know who I am and how I got here and stuff. Um, I personally did that because I had a friend who, who took that approach. They straight up said, like, I'm an immigrant from this country and this and this happened to me. And he had really bad experiences going through the OCI process in 1L. And so after hearing about that, I was like, hey, I'm not going to take that approach. I'm just going to, you know, try to be as similar to my interviewers as possible, despite the fact that I'm not. Um, but then going through the uh, mock interviews with Fackle and talking to career services a bit more, they kind of told me, like, that's what makes me interesting. That's what defines me. So I should kind of really share that part of my life. Yeah, after that, I kind of took the middle ground approach, I think, where I would say it sometimes and sometimes I wouldn't. Um, but I still downplayed that largely um, just because, like, in my past experience, I've always been more successful when I tried to, you know, fit into the mainstream um, as best as I can. It's interesting that you mentioned stories because one of the things that we learned, uh, one of the things that many of my mentors told me and one of the things we learned throughout the recruitment process, me and my peers, is that stories are really powerful. And being able to tell a couple of really good stories to your interviewers or in a coffee date or something uh, can really help you set, set you apart as a candidate. It's difficult to come up with some of those stories because many of them aren't involved drawing upon your previous experience. And so you have to come up with something that is generally quite broadly relatable, but is also approachable and familiar enough towards that specific interviewer that they might be able to remember it as something uh, something to remember you by. Uh, for me, I at the time, I was into road cycling. I was racing for a little while, and I did some outdoor sports like rock climbing and backpacking. And those things were familiar enough to interviewers that oftentimes there were a lot of interesting things to talk about, and I was able to anchor some of my activities and extracurriculars around those things. Now, when I say that, I think it's also interesting because those stories and those particular activities, especially cycling, road cycling, uh, tend to be dominated by Caucasian people and male Caucasian people in particular. And so being aware of that was, was something that, again, I was able to lean into and try to create some connections there. In fact, I would say that some of the connections I made, some law firms, I still maintain them because I was able to find some of those common hobbies and interests. I was involved in a lot of different community groups, um, which did, which uh, I chose to downplay in my application process. Originally, when I was in 1L, I really tried to build up uh, the profile and try to make, uh, make myself appeal uh, to firms as a candidate who did a lot of community service and try to segue that into pro bono work. And, work with a uh, student legal clinic and things like that. But I was finding that those things actually weren't very effective because the communities that I was moving in tended to not really be that applicable or identifiable with, with the typical law firm application. 
So uh, some of those things involved uh, work with my uh, Chinese church group. I was really heavily involved in that community. I chose to downplay that um, part because I think the connections that a lot of my fellow law students were making on the basis of their extracurricular work and their other hobbies and stories tended to be more focused around corporate style events and volunteering. I think that interviewers, when they start talking and they're trying to build up rapport with you and you're trying to do the same with them, really, uh, a lot of rapport building comes down to just basic socialization and relationship building. And it's always easier to build relationships when you have things in common. It's always harder to build those relationships when you have less in common. Now, I was born here. I was born in Edmonton and uh, I was raised by my parents who were immigrants from Hong Kong. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I wasn't it's not like I was unfamiliar with the culture of Alberta, but what I was unfamiliar with was the very specific narrow social strata in which a lot of lawyers, especially at larger firms, do tend to find themselves. And the idiom that like attracts like is definitely true in terms of law. People tend to, it's gotten better, but recruiters and lawyers tend to hire and seek out candidates who are very similar to themselves. So that's um, people with similar cultural experiences in terms of uh, what they do, uh, or where their family comes from, or their cultural heritage, but also uh, socioeconomic things like where they go for vacations or what they do for fun. And being the child of immigrant parents lends you to a slightly different upbringing, perhaps, than what the child of maybe uh, lawyer parents might experience. What do you think worked particularly well for you? And what are maybe some topics that you struggled with? If you are somebody who's like, this is about minority, they're going to ask you about what you think about diversity and inclusion. And that was not a topic I was prepared to talk about. And I found that some people did not like my answers. And would you feel comfortable elaborating on what happened at the interview? Well, the thing is, I didn't give them like a radical answer. They asked me kind of about like, yeah, diversity and inclusion. And I told them, you know, as somebody who's a visible minority, like I do check firms to see if there are other people who are at those firms. And generally, like we know we're not the majority in law, but we are cautious about going into the firm where we might be like the only one. I can't remember my exact words, but it was something like that. And the response I got was that is a very brave answer to tell a recruiter. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. Like, I don't know what they expected to answer that question. I still, like, looking back, I don't know what they expected or they, what they wanted to hear. I feel like the stories that worked the best are definitely my non-law stuff. So I had a couple of legal experiences doing, like, legal work that really I didn't have a lot to say about. And, like, they were interesting, but I can't tell you what I worked on. And really, I just did research because I'm a law student. But the non-legal stuff about, like, the activities I do, like, my hobbies like sewing and boxing and stuff like that. People were a lot more interested in that than if like my past work experience or my law stuff for sure. And to me, like caring more about what somebody does outside of their work was like more, it kind of showed that they were interested in you more of as like a whole person than just a specific law student with specific grades and specific LSAT. Um, I think the stories that worked really well for me was um, whenever there was a equity, you know, EDI concern. I think that I had a lot of experience talking about my personal experiences growing up in like a predominantly white area and how I've had to deal with racism and discrimination my whole life. I think that 
those stories really hit hard and I was I was uh, very confident talking about those stories even though they were hard I kind of you know I had time to, to process things and to share you know how I could turn negative situations into positive ones and then the stories that were kind of like harder for me to talk about was when people would talk about you know like skiing or golfing and you know those like um more privileged kind of sports that i never really had the chance to do until like this year i think that was really hard for me because i wasn't able to relate to anything like that and some of the interviews had sent me their bios which stated you know like you like going skiing in whistler like you like going to our cabins and stuff like that which was really hard to relate to because i have never really had that experience you know my family doesn't have a cabin or go have a membership I had a like nice ski resort or anything like that that was never something that we were brought up to do just because we didn't have the means to do so we didn't have the cultural capital I think that was really really hard to relate to so whenever things like that came up I was always quick to kind of shy away from the conversation and try to talk about something else that I could relate to the kind of questions I wasn't always uh, too comfortable with or that, that I felt I maybe didn't do as well. Uh, you know, there's always these kind of questions when you talk about interests of like common interests. As an immigrant, I feel like you have a whole completely different life uh, compared to, you know, some people who are born here uh, all their life. And I think that's natural. That's that's OK. Um, but like, for example, you know, when especially if you were like in a small group and they would talk, start talking about skiing or snowboarding, I've never done that. And I actually hate the cold. So um, it, it's kind of hard to relate to those questions uh, every now and then. Um, but but like I said, um, you know, you always try to be genuine and, and who you are in, in all these cases. And, and, if, and if there's some differences, that's OK, I feel. This is the last question. What would you tell or what advice would you give to BIPOC students preparing for the recruit? Just be yourself and be really authentic. And if you're worried about something from your past, bring it up right away in your resume, bring it up right away in your cover letter and in your interviews. Um, I don't know what the hiring process looks for, looks like for anything else other than the crown, but they were really receptive. They seem to really like how just honest I was. And I mean, like, even the most privileged person has something in their past that isn't great. I think personally, and this is just like my big vendetta thing, is uh, everyone going into law should be just unabashedly authentic to themselves. You have a reason for wanting to do this and stay true to that reason. I would give them the advice to, you know, be yourself and own your past. Especially if you have had those difficult experiences, I think that really demonstrates your character and demonstrates, you know, that it, it was harder for you to get here versus someone else who came from a place of privilege. And I think that really adds to your character, that adds to your personality, and that and that will add to you being a great lawyer one day. So I think it's important to actually share that part of your story, to own it, and to you know make it into a positive. Show you're resilient. Show you had to work hard to get where you are i think that's really important and i think that i kind of downplayed that because i felt like that was what i had to do but i'm starting to realize that that's not always the best thing and i think that you know the different experiences that you have are really important and it makes you who you are and i think that if your interviewers are you know people of color i think they can really relate to that and then if they're not they can kind of empathize with your situation and maybe that will be positive 
but at the same time you kind of risk the fact that because you've had those different experiences you might not be able to relate to your interviewers as much and that might kind of you know not lead to successful results but at the end of the day that's who you are and you want a firm that will truly accept you for who you are what your experiences are and you know will make you feel comfortable in that firm and if that firm's not comfortable you even talking about those things with you in your interview i don't think that's the place that you belong to be in um what i get told a lot is that you know lawyers are rational people and like they're never not going to hire someone because of their like race or ethnicity or religion or anything like that they're like they're going to hire the best person for the job because lawyers are all rational people so it's not it's not really going to be a factor and like as a person who's kind of you know um been out in the working world between law school for like five years i was like that's not true there's very rational intelligent people who hold biases and kind of pretending that it's not real made it feel like um I couldn't really tell people who were non-five POC about my experiences because to them, they would almost not believe it. The advice I would give is it's okay if you don't feel um, like you fit in with a firm to not pursue them. Even if they're a huge name, even if they kind of are very prestigious, like if that's not somewhere you can see yourself working or getting along with people, or if you're concerned that they're not what they seem, don't force yourself to make it work. And it's okay if it doesn't, like if things don't go as planned, it's okay. And there are like a lot of really nice, like wonderful law firms that you're going to get to meet. So even if you meet like a bad one, personally with my experiences that I told you about, like they were in the minority, like those were two out of like 20 interviews that I had. It wasn't like a big, it didn't like overshadow everything else for me. Uh, something that I haven't said as much, um... Don't look at it that in the way that uh, you have to like fit in with the firms because as as as, uh, as I previously mentioned, I was successful in both firms, but I also received a lot of rejections. Like <laughs> out of the many firms I applied, most of them uh, rejected me, and that's okay because I I wouldn't see the process as trying to like fit in or like you turning into something you're not. Uh, eventually. Again, this is my experience, with, which has, again, been a positive one. Eventually, you'll end up with a firm that values the way that you are, uh, how different you are and why you're different, um, and it, it'll be okay. <laughs> In a reassuring matter, it, it kind of uh, it kind of works out. So don't, don't feel like you need to change uh, dramatically. Of course, you need to practice and get better in some stuff than uh, than in others. Um, but don't feel like you need to change completely who you are to be successful in this process, I would say. Everybody has to find their own way, and I'm sure that's a, some, a phrase that law students hear a lot. But some of the resources that are available to law students, of course, are the career office. I think as the career offices of various law schools are a very good starting point for understanding what the average successful candidate will look like. Of course, nobody's average. So the point of this exercise is really to get your resume and your cover letter into, and your interviewing skills into a basic level of competency. But I would encourage Rafali students, and in fact, I think maybe it's necessary for them to take it a little bit further. So instead of just stopping there and having a decent uh, application and uh, having good grades, also reaching out to uh, articling students, to law students who have already gone through the recruits, to lawyers even, uh, both fresh calls and more experienced ones who are racialized or uh, have some experience uh, or have struggled with the question of diversity in law because those lawyers will have very good insight and those people sorry those people will have very good insight into 
how you can craft the narrative of your application such that you can demonstrate your diversity while also having it not be a hindrance to you. And this wraps up our interview with our five speakers. Thank you for taking the time to share your stories and advice, including the good and the bad. If you are a law student in a minority group or from an unconventional background, hopefully this was helpful to you even if your experience might still look different from someone who was maybe born into it. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in our next episode of The Law School Show. You've just been listening to The Law School Show, Student Life Series. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on our website, thelawschoolshow.com. If you like what you've heard, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for the latest updates, curated resources, and opportunities to help you navigate the law school experience in every episode. Catch it all here next time on the Student Life Series.